Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Nope. <laughs> what, like, what, what, what happened? Banter. <laughs> Three shows what, to come up this What week. is going on? That, did you hear that? I clicked energy? away from my window. I couldn't unmute. <laughs> I see. That's fair. That was such an energetic opening, too. This is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. Uh, my name is Rob Minot. Joining me today, Mr. Ryan Flurry. Good day. And Mr. Steve Barkley. Complete with another leaf blower. <laughs> and, and the dude running the leaf blower. Say hello, dude. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny. I've got construction going on in front of my building too, but I've got all my doors closed and, uh, I'm hoping that none of that noise that they're making bleeds through at all. But if they do, Hey, big props to the working class blue collar heroes that are currently doing work outside of our respective buildings. Okay, then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no thanks to first responders, but thanks to the bloggers <laughs> and the leaf eaters. And well, listen, they're, they're their work's important, too. That's true. Anything new and exciting with you guys? Well, you know, not, week. not a bloody thing. Really? Nothing. Hmm. You know, I was so, I got so annoyed this morning. I was, I was going through my Twitter feed, and uh, I saw a post from a... A blind student in post-secondary and it just it frosted me um, because I feel like we're still in this age where accessibility is still not just in all the right places 100% um, because you know she was tweeting about how you know she was like I have an online exam and boy do I hope that um, it's, you know, parts of it is accessible because it's online and hopefully there's no questions about any pictures that aren't alt tagged or, or, um, some of the a question about any of the PowerPoint presentation that wasn't accessible. And I, it's just like, you know, you know, there's, we still have that worry. We still have so far to go in terms of making sure that, um, online materials, especially in a post-secondary setting are, are completely accessible. Yeah, it's, there's going to be a lot of work to make sure that happens, but uh, hopefully they're uh, not offering courses that are inaccessible right now, but I bet you there's going to be some. Well, there's there for sure is because, you know, this this whole online push into, or this, this whole push into online classes um, all had to happen so fast that, you know, there wasn't, I'm sure there was an infrastructure um, in place that really allowed for them to, to do that efficiently, even, even, you know, among able-bodied students, let alone, um, mm -hmm. you know, students with disabilities. So, but, you know, but then again, 
that's that's your job. You have people who are paying tuition costs. Um, it, it's it's your job to make sure that those materials that you are providing are accessible and rock solidly. So, um, so hopefully things will will get better in the fall um, now that they've had some time to to put together some plans because I'm sure that everything's going to be online in the fall as well. Yeah, I wonder, you know, it's going to be interesting for, you know, t teachers of the visually impaired, you know, who would be in a classroom and, and be working on Braille with a student or, you know, whatever technology piece with a student, you know, how that's all going to happen this, this fall. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that even just a plan for students in general, you know, depending on what you're talking about, you know, if you're talking about elementary and high school, yeah, I mean, I think that that's also going to be a real challenge right across the board. Um, let, you know, in, in terms of just how are you going to have a curriculum that's completely online? Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, a lot of the curriculum that that sort of played out over the, the rest of the year um, since, you know, whenever they took schools offline, which was what, in February or March or whatever it was, um, you know, it, it was a little bit of a Band-Aid. Um, a lot of the curriculum was just give them something to do yeah. and just, you know, sort of finish off the year. But they're going to have to take a very different approach if everything is remains to be online in September because they're going to have to figure out a way to make that curriculum work. Well, you think about the STEM, you know, you think about, not even STEM, but you think about, um, like you say, the, the high school students, you know, in biology, chemistry, you know, that those type of courses, how do you deliver stuff like that online? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right across the board, let alone. And then you also have to make it um, accessible and you have to, you know, have those um, special needs services that are in place somehow be able to work in, in an, on, an online environment as well. So they definitely have some some challenge ahead ahead of them. Hopefully, somebody is sitting in a room somewhere trying to figure all this stuff out. And oh. I'm just glad it's not us. Yeah. Because <laughs> they'd be screwed. Because we would just be eating Subway sandwiches and... <laughs> Snickers bars. Whopper poutine combos. Mm, there you go. Whopper poutine combo. Oh, my gosh. I miss a Whopper poutine combo. Oh, man. Yeah. That might be skip the dishes sure. tonight. <laughs> hmm. For the first time a couple of weeks ago, I went back and I had a sausage and egg McMuffin and hash brown from McDonald's for the first time since this whole situation started. So four months or whatever it was. Right. I was like, oh, this is so good. I know. <laughs> I did. I did the same. I remember. I remember my first McDonald's meal after all this started, and it had been months. Yeah. And I had like a yeah. I remember exactly what I had. I was like, yeah, a sausage McGriddle it was so good. Yeah, because we're not eating out, you know, we're not even doing takeout. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was a treat. Uh, hey, Ryan. Rob. Uh, what be we doing today? Today we are speaking with Nate Toves, who is the marketing manager from the Neil Squire Society. Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah, this is actually Steve's suggestion. We get somebody on to talk about their computer comfort programs, their distance computer program, their federally funded assistive technology program. Yeah, they have a lot of programs. They do. I wish I could claim credit, but it was actually Derek from their uh, Kelowna office that came up with the idea, and I thought, well, hell yeah. 
Oh, Steve, so you're going you're gonna to get mad cred for contributing to the podcast, and you blew it, dude. Oh, yeah, but then you'd have Derek listening to it up in uh, Kelowna <laughs> going, the son of a bitch didn't credit me. He took, took, <laughs> took all my glory. <laughs> well, mad props to Derek, then. Indeed. Absolutely. Anything going on? Anything? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. See, I've been, out of, I've been out of the loop for a week, so. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, last week was the American Council of the Blind Conference, which happens every summer. And, you know, I really didn't see much news come out of that conference. And maybe it's because it wasn't necessarily in person or as big as it is in regular normal years. And this week is the National Federation of the Blind Conference. So it goes, starts today and ends on Saturday. Oh, wow. Today being July 7th, I think. No, today's the 14th. Never, I'm sorry. <laughs> the day we're recording is July 14th, so it goes until Saturday. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to see if any news comes out of this one because I think this yeah. is really the last big tech conference um, for blindness anyway um, this year. You know, CSUN was earlier in March. and Yeah, and that was pretty subdued as well. There, we, we didn't really see much in the way of announcements uh, out of that either. Yeah, I don't think so. Not that so, I recall. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a slow year. I mean, it, that's just, just going to be the nature of the beast. But, yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on that. Maybe we'll have some stuff to talk about next week. Mm. Have you heard anything, Steve? S- seen anything? No, not a thing. Hmm. 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 Well, what's new at Canadian Assistive Technology? Oh, gosh, what's new? Um, we got a new Braille display coming from Humanware shortly. Uh, I, like, a, I like a new, new one? Yeah, new new version of the Brilliant. Oh wow! Uh, we've got in August the Orbit Forty should start shipping. Uh, we've got a couple of those on order. Uh, I just got news that they are going to ship me my very first um, uh, Orbit Writer, the the keyboard. Mm-hmm. Uh, that should be coming up next week, so we'll be able to play with that. Uh, what else is going on? You know, just day to day. There's a, a lot of new Braille devices coming down the keep coming down the line. Yeah, there seems to be. You know, the the, the Focus fifth generation just came out a little while ago. The Q Braille just came out a little while ago. Everybody seems to be refreshing their Braille lines right now. Yeah, yeah, that's what it seems to be happening. It's funny how they all seem to happen at once. Yeah, yeah one of them gets a leg up, and the rest of them scramble. Right. <laughs> Have you guys had a chance to get a hold of a of a Braille Writer Forty? No. Have you no, played with yet. it yet? The, the Orbit Forty? Or sorry, no. the yeah, sorry, the Orbit Forty. No, not yet. No. Hmm, that'll be real interesting to get your hands on. Yeah, it got delayed because of uh, how uh, COVID went awry right. in India. Oh yeah, right. But of course, mm. they manufacture in India, and everything got completely shut down. Yeah. Yes, actually, still waiting on an updated NVDA add-on to work with the Braille Mini. Well, when that's going to be, you know, COVID's going to be a, or it's it's real interesting sort of effects, and and you know, you don't really think about this, but the supply lines are a real thing, and that's one of the things that that COVID has really messed up globally, mm-hmm. are are these global supply lines, and I think that we're still going to be feeling the repercussions of that in a year even and that's that's if if you know we clear up this whole covid thing in the next say six months 
um, the after effects of these this disruption in supply lines is going to really sort of um, be felt, I think, for for quite a while to come. Well, it's interesting, and you know, it's not even the AT industry. You know, my wife has right. ordered from Amazon that we literally waited since May and finally canceled the orders because they hadn't come yet. Yeah. And these were Amazon Prime eligible products that just never showed up. Yeah. You know, I've never had the issues with Amazon that I've had since this. Oh, shipping is just dismal right now. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting though? Canada Post is quick as hell. I, I don't know why, but UPS is slower in hell. Canada Post is just snappy. Wow. Well, that's interesting because things I've read, Canada Post says they are so backlogged, like their warehouses are just full of stuff that they just can't keep up. Wow. Well, they seem to be doing a better job of it than UPS for sure. Oh, good. Hmm. Yeah, but I mean, even in terms of like, you know, components, like the, you know, components for different pieces of AT or just technology in general, you know, we have these, you know, when they're, when they're being produced in different countries, in various different countries, you know, the ability to sort of fulfill orders or to actually build these these devices um, are really going to going to be at the mercy of what happens to be going on in that particular country in terms of COVID. So, yeah. um, you know, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting. But yeah, it's that first world problems, eh? <laughs> can't can't get my Roomba. What would you do with a Roomba? Yeah, I wouldn't do anything with it. I'd, I'd try to train my cat to ride it. And then I would, <laughs> then I would create... Suit. Yes, and then I would create a YouTube channel for that, just for that. <laughs> I can see that. That'd be awesome. <laughs> uh, it's been done, though. <laughs> send me the link. I'll send you the link. Including uh, the show notes. <laughs> yes, of course. Well, we have to now. <laughs> Uh yes, Nate, you picked the right week to be on. You're gonna be sure your your links are gonna be shared with Cat Shark <laughs> or Shark Cat. Hi everyone, this is Steve from Canadian Assistive Technologies, and this is a shameless plug. We've been working hard to find less expensive Braille products so we can make Braille available for more people. We can now say that we have Canada's most comprehensive lineup of inexpensive Braille solutions, including the 20-cell Braille Me from InnoVision, the soon-to-be-released 40-cell Orbit Braille display from Orbit Research, as well as the world's least expensive multi-line Braille reader, the Canute from Bristol Braille. You can have a look at them all on our website at www.canastech.com. Joining us now is Nate Tobes from the Neil Squire Society. All right. Well, hey, well, listen, thanks for joining us today. Um, wow. I don't even know where to start. Um, why don't we start out with anyone who's not familiar with Neil Squire? Just give us a little bit of a, a quick overview of uh, what the organization is and what it does. Okay. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate that. So the Neil Squire uh, Foundation started in 1984. Uh, Neil was a real guy. Neil had a car accident and, um, in 1980 and suffered a, s a s totally severe spinal cord injury. And long story short, his cousin Bill Cameron was an engineer and uh, Bill started working on, uh, because Neil's uh, spinal cord injury was so high, C1 brainstem level, he quickly lost his ability to speak. Um, 
no hit, no brain injury the day of the accident. So he was literally trapped in his body, uh, couldn't really communicate with caregivers or loved ones. So they started working on the first ever sip and puff device that was looped through a Morse code dot dash decoder through an Apple IIe interface. And he could sip and puff the letters uh, using Morse code to turn into uh, words that could turn into sentences to communicate. Um, and it was an assistive technology that his cousin Bill Cameron built uh, to assist them. Again, long story short, unfortunately we lost Neil in 1984. Uh, that group of people that was working with him created the Neil Squire Foundation. Today, 36 years later, we're the Neil Squire Society. Uh, we work predominantly with people with uh, disabilities, mostly on the physical side, although that's changing all the time with the advent of technology. And we work in a few special areas. One is uh, computer training. We, we help people uh, with a disability learn about computer programs and uh, computer software, uh, tablets, learning how to use the iPhone and the iPad, uh, Android phone and pads, uh, to assist in either helping them have a better quality of life or whether as an employment focus down the line. Uh, we run federally funded employment programs. If you go to our website, neilsquire.ca, we have uh, offices in British Columbia, Saskatchewan, Ontario, New Brunswick and Nova Scotia. Uh, we also have uh, across Canada AT Help Desk where we help a variety of organizations and people with disabilities uh, operate their, their technical devices that helps them, again, have a better quality of life or whether it's an employment focus. And then uh, assistive technology is truly our superpower. That's what we do each and every day. And that's the program that I focus on promoting throughout the province, now branded under the WorkBC uh, brand, and it's called WorkBC Assistive Technology Services. The society has been around for 30 years, and in that 30 years, um, you know, especially in the field of assistive technology itself, uh, things have changed so much. Um, what's the most recent real big change that, that, that has come down the line in terms of technology that you guys have really found that you know, you've, you've really had to address? Oh, man. Talk about a loaded question. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I have a great answer for that, but here's what, what you made me think of right away was uh, 3D printing. Uh, another one of our social enterprises that have stemmed from the Neil Squire Society is the Makers Making Change organization where uh, tinkerers and makers and technicians all around the world now have created these maker groups in communities literally everywhere where they're you know, either solving little problems for somebody with a disability or big problems for a, a business trying to overcome a, a challenge. But the idea of this open source technology that people are willing to share, nobody's trying to monetize it. And it's a, and it's a real group effort to, to help people minimize and overcome barriers, whether it's just day-to-day -day stuff or, you know, whether it's at their place of work or what have you. Um, I think that's been one of the biggest changes the other obvious answer to that question is, is the tech side. Um, how the, you know, the, the phone people like Apple and uh, the Android manufacturers, the Google people, always, you know, trying to make more and more of their products accessible uh, to help more and more people, you know, interact and, and use those, those platforms in a variety of ways. That's, that's actually really interesting, the, the makers making change. Um, because I think that, historically 
um, we've seen a lot of assistive technology that has grown out of this, these homegrown solutions. Um, you know, one that, that comes to, to mind right away is um, the, the Microsoft um, Xbox adaptive controller. We've been hearing mm. for years um, how people were sort of taking, um, you know, console controllers or computer controllers and adapting them themselves in their like garage. Um, and this is kind of one of the, the sort of the, the premier examples, I think, of, you know, a, a large organization taking notice of that and actually running with that and using that and coming out with a, a product that was, in, was very successful in, in terms of, of what it's meant to do. Um, and I mean, we, I mean, I know this Steven Rhino will, will agree with me here. Um, we've also seen, we, and we've talked to a lot of people on the podcast of small companies that have come out of, um, you know, university students that have taken things and, and have adapted sort of small scale solutions for a very specific problem. And I think that that's so important in assistive technology because, you know, this is how we get those solutions because a lot of times big companies, big organizations, big corporations, they're not going to put the R&D into solving, you know, really niche problems. Yeah, completely agree. And, and you can understand it from a standpoint of, you know, they're, they're trying to maintain profitability. And I love what you said about Microsoft because, you know, there's an organization that really is, is building stuff for everybody. And and when they just and when they learn more and more about the different ways that that they can help people interact in that environment, uh, they're open to that feedback. And uh, we've done a lot of work with both EA and Microsoft on that uh, topic, and uh, it's it's been amazing the the open ears that that they have to to helping people you know interact in, in with their products. So let's talk a little bit about that um, in, in terms of attitudes. Um, have you found in the past, say, I don't know, five years um, that there has been real movement and a real change in attitude when it comes to inclusion and you know, diversity, even in terms of hiring practices or just in general? Well, it's interesting that you give the five-year timeline because that's exactly the time that I've been with the Neil Squire Society. So... Uh, you know, I, I think I was probably like a lot of people before I joined this industry, ignorant to a lot of uh, the challenges that somebody might have interacting with our built environment, interacting with uh, tools and software. You know, that this is the way it is. Sorry, uh, and and yeah, I've I've really seen a a tremendous turnover of mentality of employers, uh, organizations that are more open to talking about working with somebody with a disability, uh, more open to uh, hiring somebody with a disability, more open to providing accommodations. Uh, you know, you talk about, you know, mental health, I know isn't our topic of conversation today, but, you know, there's just more and more openness from employers to understand that many people are dealing with challenges. And if there's, if there's anything that comes out of COVID, it's how fast organizations were able to pivot to provide these accommodations for their able-bodied people that just couldn't come to work but now need to work from home and I think they all or many of them learned a lesson that it can be done it's not impossible you can maintain a high level of productivity um, and and continuity with the team it just you got to do it a little differently 
Yeah, and that's interesting. I mean, we've been kind of saying that on the show uh, since COVID, you know, really sort of took hold and, and everybody had to start working from home was that maybe a silver lining to all of this is that company, a lot of companies now that they've built in this online infrastructure for people to work from home, that that they, they, that idea of somebody say hiring somebody say with a disability that may need at least a portion of of the time to be working from home that's not as scary of a thought to companies um, now as it used to be yeah agreed 100 um, percent you know you take somebody like Ryan who if he had to you know go from X to Please downtown y how many hours that could take you know using public transit you know, and, and, and yet he could be completely productive from his from his home office. A perfect example. So in that sense, it almost makes it, you know, especially when when you're talking about the it sounds like the core of your services in terms of training is is all centered around computers, tablets and smart devices. That seems to tie in perfectly to this. Um, have have like what how have your services um, sort of had to pivot during all of this this COVID stuff? Yeah, you know, great question, Rob. And one of the advantages that we've had, and, and again, not to suggest that this hasn't been a, a disruption to our business, but uh, Neil Squire has been develop, or delivering services virtually since 2002 in a variety of our programs. Uh, we've learned how to provide most assessments using technology. Uh, we've been delivering computer training through our distance computer comfort uh, program, whether somebody's across the city or across the country, we've been delivering those programs virtually uh, for almost two decades. So yes, COVID has certainly interrupted our ability to do a lot of face-to-face -face stuff, and that's changing uh, you know, daily, uh, where we're starting to see more and more uh, clients in our office environment. Um, but, it, but it was a... It was a bit of a challenge at first, but you know the team is is uh, resilient and creative, and uh, we we were able to deliver a lot of those those services, meaning the assessments in our WorkBC assisted technology services program. That's a big part of the process is assessing the the individual's barriers and how it impacts their different duties at work. Uh, so while it, there was a bit of a hiccup, we're uh, we're ticking right along right now. So let's talk about the distance computer uh, comfort program. I think that's what you called it. Yep. So what, what is that program? Who runs that program? So the great question, Ryan. So there's two programs that are pretty well identical, computer comfort and distance computer comfort. The only real distance is computer comfort. You can come into our office physically in Burnaby and get trained. That program is on hold, obviously, due to COVID. So distance computer comfort is... Uh, we're looking for people 16 to 65-ish, self-identifies having a disability, and they want to learn more about computers, whether it's uh, learn about computers to improve their quality of life, to create a community, uh, whether it's learn about computers and software programs, uh, and it has a business focus like learning the Microsoft suite of products or learning how to do uh, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, or uh, Instagram, that kind of stuff. Uh, over the last few years that, that phones and tablets have really integrated into our lives on a regular basis and many people don't even own a computer anymore. Uh, we've started to train uh, people on how to get the most out of their Apple uh, phone or, or their, their iPhone or their uh, iPad and the same with the Google or the Android uh, suite of products. 
where we've uh, developed a training program for uh, those phones and tablets. And again, the same sort of idea, just teaching people how to get the most out of the accessibility features that are built in to those devices and how to um, navigate the different programs and apps uh, that can help somebody use those to the, to the fullest of their ability. So what kind of like, training or qualifications would somebody need to provide training on such a broad array of products? Yeah, great. That's a great question. What, so Gordon and Manesh, <clears throat> Manesh at our office runs the uh, in-house computer comfort program. And then Gordon uh, coordinates the distance computer comfort. And really what they do is uh, it's, it's managed with a, a paid staff and a volunteer uh, group of volunteers. And really what they do is, is just try and determine uh, the level of skill sets that a, that a volunteer brings to the table. Uh, obviously, we you know we follow up and and determine that those are you know those qualifications are accurate, uh, and then Gordon or Manesh will spend some time with that individual just to make sure that they have this the skill sets available, um, and then it's a matter of, of pairing that individual with the student that requires you know whatever training they're looking for, and then getting a good match between the uh, the teacher and the student, and then and then doing that over we used to use Blackboard now we use Zoom. Uh, just like we're doing today and uh, use team viewer if we have to to get the um, the teacher on the the same device as the student if there's if there's uh, challenges there and and then just you know kind of walk through the process and what we do is create a it's it's not a uh, how would you say it's not a curriculum that's already uh, created we literally uh, learn exactly what the individual wants to learn and then kind of uh, on the fly maybe isn't the best word but to, to go through that step-by-step step with the individual so that they can get a base knowledge um, that helps them navigate these different programs and software. Right, so the student and the trainer then, does that student get the same trainer for every session? So yeah, great question. Sorry, I should have said that. Yes, they do. Yeah, yeah the student and the trainer are matched for that 10 to 12 week period. Can you just sort of give us a, a real brief snapshot of, of some of the different programs that you guys offer. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the, the computer comfort program, we can, we can help anybody in the country. Um, we, we get funding from a variety of sources, including um, federally, provincially, uh, locally, uh, donor dollars, uh, gaming grants. Uh, literally over the years, we've done everything, including selling buttons to keep that program uh, going. Um, a good donation to our organization is a gently used laptop or desktop that is strong enough to run Windows 10. We take that in. Uh, we're a, a licensed Microsoft refurbisher. Uh, we take that. We remove your hard drive, clear the da your data off it, can provide you a document that says your data has been removed, provide you a tax receipt for the donation of that computer. Uh, because we're a licensed Microsoft refurbisher, for under $10, uh, we load a new set of Windows 10 on there, and then we'll gift that laptop or desktop to the, the student should they need uh, a, a computer. Um, and, and we can do that anywhere in the, in the country. The other program that's very popular for us, and it's one of our longest standing programs, is our, is our Working Together program. That's a federal uh, program, and we run that prog uh, employment program. We run that program in British Columbia, Saskatchewan, Ontario, and New Brunswick. And the idea of that program is to pair up employers with the people that just happen to have a disability and they're 
they're looking for a quality employment opportunity. Uh, if the individual requires an assistive technology, uh, we'll, we'll supply that as part of the process with that individual when we understand uh, the duties that they're going to be doing in their new employee. Uh, the employer often can benefit from subsidies uh, through these uh, government funded, federally funded programs to assist in the wages in that first four, eight to 12 weeks of employment. Um, all that's done on a case by case basis. And then the program I promote throughout the provinces, um, as we discussed earlier in the call, it's gone through many iterations of names, uh, but it's an assistive technology program and it's meant to assist people that are in the workforce, uh, employed full or part-time or self-employed. It's called the WorkBC Assistive Technology Services Program. And uh, we're looking for people that have a barrier to their employment-related activities. The, the focus is certainly uh, smaller business and uh, self-employed people. As, as you guys probably know, if you're working for a large employer, the you know employer does have a duty to accommodate the needs of their employee. Um, but there's certain gaps there, certainly to and from work. Employers aren't uh, obligated to help with that. Things like hearing aids uh, fall outside of what uh, what employers are are asked to, to help employees with. And that's a provincial program. That's a BC only uh, program. So that's called the Work BC Assistive Technology Services Program. And we're looking to help people overcome barriers. So barriers caused by disability, barriers caused by old injuries, uh, barriers caused by chronic pain. Chronic pain is one of the leading disabilities in Canada. So many of us are desk bound uh, today that, you know, chronic neck, back, shoulder, carpal tunnel syndrome, so many different things are related to uh, how people do their work for six to eight hours a day or 10 hours a day uh, in a desk environment. So uh, we do a lot of ergonomics, uh, hearing aids, software for people with low vision or blindness. Um, you, know, you name it, they, the, the best example is the Job Accommodation Network. Uh, that's a, a JAN network in the United States as a list of all the different assistive technologies. And those are the kind of things that we we help people uh, over, help them overcome their barriers at work. And uh, if they're not employed, if it's somebody who's not in the workforce and has a disability or barrier and they need help, we do that through the WorkBC offices in the province. There's 102 uh, WorkBC offices in the province that if you're case managed by uh, one of those offices and you have a barrier to even the, um, the job search aspect or some training that a work BC center might put you through. Maybe they're giving you a first aid training or food safe training and your disability impacts your ability even to participate in that aspect of your, of your work BC training program. That's a point where we can step in, get the individual an assessment, have a better understanding of their, of their disability or barrier to these uh, programs and then recommend and facilitate the acquisition and then uh, provide that assistive technology uh, to those individuals. So people that aren't in the workforce go through the WorkBC offices in the province. People that are already in the workforce, employed full or part-time or self-employed, can apply directly online uh, through a web link through the workbc.ca website. The assistive technology program, is that a time-based program or is it renewed every year? Ah, good question. So currently, uh, for the first time ever, in the province of British Columbia, they actually created a five-year program. So this program started in April of 2019. 
It's going to run till the end of March 2024 minimum. There's two two-year options on the table uh, that could take us to as long as uh, 2028. Wow. Uh, most of these programs used to always be three-year programs. They take a half a year to wind up. They wind down a half year before they're over. <laughs> so they end up being two-year programs or less. Uh, so this is, this is really good in that way, um, that there's a defined at least five years. So we have about four more years left for sure. Do you know if there are any plans to roll out similar programs across the country? Well, you see, no, I don't know, Ryan, because this is a provincial program. So the, you'd think that this would be a no-brainer for other provinces to follow, um, especially since we've, uh, as you gentlemen know, that we have a long history in BC with providing uh, assistive technology to people in the workforce. But, you know, when I've, when I've spoken to other people in other provinces, like I'm in an HR mastermind group uh, through my BNI, uh, my BNI group, and when I talk about these programs with these HR people in Quebec, uh, Ontario, and Alberta, there's no such program like that that they're aware of. You know, it's, it's such an interesting topic, too, because as you were talking, I was just thinking that about this idea of how you define assistive technology and what you, what you lump in, in there. And, you know, the fact that, that any one of us is, on any given day, we, we, you know, could fall into a category where we would need, quote, assistive technology, because especially if you throw things like ergonomics in there, um, yeah. this, this idea of, of mainstreamed assistive technology that people don't even look at as assistive technology, but it essentially is. Um, you know, it's ergonomic things to, to help with uh, chairs, to help with chronic, like you said, back or, or neck problems that isn't necessarily societally considered a disability, but it could fall into that, that category if, if the, the category is, is spread wide enough. And it just makes me think of like, you know, if, if as a society we did have like a really wide definition for what assistive technology is, maybe it would, it, that would bleed into the mainstream a lot more and we wouldn't have all these, you know, this, this idea that assistive technology is an add-on. Right. So, and that kind of leads me to, to my next question in, because you guys are, are really on the ground doing all the training in terms of, of job-related training for people with disabilities. And what I'm curious about is having, having that, that more and more accessibility built into mainstream products, like, say, Windows, for example, and, and some of the, the built, you know, narrator as a built-in screen reader, or you know, a, a lot of the Apple products that have very good accessibility built right in. Are you guys finding that there, there, you, there's a noticeable drop-off in assistive technology that, that is an add-on and that more and more you're just able to sort of use built-in tools and train people on that? I, I may not be the best person to provide that answer because I'm not one of the really smart people that knows these assistive technologies inside and out, like some of the people I work with. But here's, here's what I've gleaned over the years is that the stuff that is included in an iPhone or a Google product is great, but it, but it, often, it, it often doesn't work in the environment necessarily 
if, if the individual is working with some proprietary software on their computer at work, um, they'll need a, a, a special, you know, they'll need something that's designed to work with that software, designed to work with this environment. Uh, having said that, these, these products with built-in accessibility uh, are getting better and better every year due to the feedback that they're provided uh, by the people that use them, the people with disabilities. Um, so, so I think that's something that's improving all the time and uh, every next generation of, of Windows seems to address another example of that. Every next uh, download of the new iPhone operating system that you get has a little more uh, user-friendly features for somebody that, that might have a disability. The, the challenge I think is is everybody's a little different and everybody's job is a little different. And, and there's so many thousands of different types of software that are having to work and integrate with that and, and that, it, that it creates new challenges every time uh, a new person is doing a new task with a new piece of software or with an app or a website that I, I think it keeps people like you guys really busy in uh, staying, you know, leading edge as to what, what is the new thing that's going to help somebody, you know, do this in a graphic arts environment? What is the new thing that's going to help somebody uh, do this in a print environment? Uh, and, and it just changes on a daily basis, or so it seems. So is that a real, a real challenge for the organization? Is because you, you really need to stay on top of all this technology that's, that's sort of bleeding edge? Well, is it a challenge? I, I think that's where uh, where our team members really rely on organizations like uh, yours is in in helping uh, in helping us stay. You know, when when Steve gets wind of a of a new something in in the low vision space or the or the software for uh, for people for a dictation uh, product, and and he goes, "Wow, this is a game changer." Uh, maybe one of our team members know about it. But maybe Steve is the guy that just sat in on a on a really important call with uh, with some of their their design team and and knows about something that's coming out and and that and that's where we have these in uh, in service sessions with a variety of different um, uh, service providers uh, distributors of different products where they're giving us the the update of the latest and greatest. Um, certainly, one of the guys on our team is is Gordon. I know you guys probably all know Gordon Watt. Uh, he's at least once a week, he sends an email to the team about something that he found in his, what he calls his web travels, uh, where he's seen a new, an update to something or, or somebody new into the industry has uh, created a groundbreaking product. So it's a, it's truly a team effort to, uh, as you guys know, there's so much, right? Yeah, and that you know that that's definitely the challenge, and and even you know as a as an assistive technology retailer, one of the the real challenges is is education. Is you know a lot of people who who have any given disability, they might not even know what's out there and what's available to mm -hmm. them, um, and it's just one of those things that also that people just don't don't necessarily think about until the day that they need it. Well, yeah, there's, so there's two things I would say about that. One is you don't know what you don't know, right? And, and two is the definition of a disability in, in our program of WorkBC Assistive Technology Services is 
any situation that is temporary, permanent, or episodic in nature that causes a physical or cognitive barrier to one's activities, in this case, employment or self-employment related activities. So that's a wide swath. And, and just because somebody needs help today because of their situation doesn't mean it is something they'll need forever. Uh, they might need something better. Uh, if they're in a situation where, they're, where they're, their disability is on a downward trajectory where you know, today they can see a little bit, but tomorrow you know, they'll be blind or today they can hear a little bit, but tomorrow they won't be able to hear at all. So what they need today might change a year or two years from now. And so staying on top of all the different uh, changes within the space is, is absolutely critical to our team. So how do you guys, what's your, what's your relationship with um, employers then? Another really critical thing in this is education of employers, the, the building a, you know, a business case to them for, for the idea of inclusion. Um, is that something that you guys do? Yeah, you know, great question, Rob. And I, I, obviously, that's one of our talking points uh, is inclusion. Obviously, we believe in that that fully. But that's, I, I don't think that's our uh, mission to be spreading that. Uh, how do you say that properly? Yeah, of course, that's important to us. But there's other organizations out there like the Rick Hansen Foundation, as an example, or Inclusion BC, where their, their real focus right. is communicating that message. Uh, to employers. Having said that, that's, you know, that's my biggest audience is, is employers. Um, helping employers know that, again, for their small business of 10 or 15 or 20 people, that if they have somebody with a disability or barrier, that's not a difficult conversation for them to have. They don't have to look at their bank balance before they, you know, discuss with their team member the need for a new ergonomic chair or a piece of software uh, for their computer. And, Certainly, you know, that's one great thing that the local governments, local or uh, provincial and federal governments have really, they've, they've responded well to this, this need that if we're going to include everybody in the workforce, we, we can't put that totally on the backs of the employers, uh, that there has to be help through programs like this uh, to A, provide the education, B, to provide the actual ability and the path uh, to provide these assistive technologies to help people get in the workforce and, and stay in the workforce. You know, boy, once you got a job, you certainly don't want to lose it. So if it's just a matter of a, a piece of a, you know, an assessment and a piece of assistive technology to help somebody stay in the workforce, uh, that's a huge part of, of some of the different programs we offer. And so what would the assessment process look like for somebody who was applying for a piece of equipment? Yeah, great question. Um, so yeah, they, they go through a, a process, pretty simple process online, and they're approved into the into the program. So if it's uh, we're doing an assistive technology assessment, it's really, you know, it's a bunch of conversation to start with, of fully understanding their their disability or their barrier, and then fully understanding their their tasks, getting an understanding of their current environment that they're working in, uh, and then taking that information and uh, we're working with occupational therapists on our team that have a, a wealth of experience in, in doing these assessments, both in person and using distance technology, uh, and then coming up with a variety of solutions. So, uh, you know, again, we're, so we, we, we learn about their, their barrier, 
we learn about their tasks, we learn about their, their current environment and the tools that they have to their disposal. And then from that, we're able to create a, um, a solution that goes past what they currently have. Uh, so it's uh, the assessment piece is usually about an hour in the lab or, or over uh, Zoom. And then uh, from that, we write a report that, that details kind of what I just shared with you and then the recommendations. Uh, and then whenever possible, we're involving that individual um, when it comes to trialing. So whether it's an ergonomic chair, we just don't say, oh, this is the chair you should have. You know, we'll send, if, if they're in person in our lab, we have about 25 different chairs that they'll try. Uh, if, they're, if they're in the lower mainland and we don't have the chair that might be the right one for them, we'll send them down to one of the local uh, organizations that we deal with that, that will have you know, 50 or 100 chairs that they could try. Same thing if it's a keyboard or a mouse, we're involving them in, in the process. If there's options, we want them to be involved in selecting uh, the option that fits them the best. Uh, a good example of that is the keyboard. So let's say we, uh, we do an assessment with somebody and we discover that there's this range of keyboards would, would be the one that we'd feel comfortable recommending to them. We'll get them to try three or four of those type of keyboards and then get them to select the one that they like the best. And then what we found is that our, our uptake of the recommendations we make is much higher because the individual with the barrier has been involved in the process of, uh, of picking that solution for them. It's not always that easy with software where there might be only one or two uh, options for the individual, but if it's a hardware uh, type solution and we can provide options, uh, we found that's, that's been a great part of the process. From my standpoint, you know, my big focus is the WorkBC Assistive Technology Services Program, 5 million British Columbians, one Nate. Uh, so the, <laughs> the, the biggest challenge is getting that out. So we, uh, we do run a webinar uh, each and every, since COVID started, we run a webinar that's 12.30 every Wednesday, goes for about 30 minutes, and uh, we run that on Zoom. And through that uh, 30 minutes, we go through in, in quite a bit of detail the, how we got started as an organization, why the program's in place. There's a lot of people with disabilities in the workforce in British Columbia. Uh, what it is that we can provide in the way of solutions. And, uh, and then lastly, how to apply. The, the one big thing, fellas, is hearing aids. Um, hearing aids are expensive, man. Mm -hmm. uh, 1500 to 5000 in a year. Yikes. The medical service plan in BC doesn't provide any coverage for that. Even if you've got a strong uh, benefit program at work, and even if you have a spouse that has a good benefit program, you're likely only getting 250 to $500 uh, an ear, and well, that barely that barely gets you half a hearing aid, never mind two that you need. So uh, that's been a real big part of the program. Um, for people with blindness or low vision, there's a lot of different tools uh, that we can bring to the table there that go over and above what uh, accessibility features you get on your uh, in your in your desktop or in your in your cell phone or tablet. Um, so there's there's so many different ways, and the key thing is, you know, like any program, getting the word out. You know, we're 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 hit with so many messages on a daily basis. Unless this problem is right in front of you, it, it's difficult, I think, for people to keep track of all the different 
you know, programs that are out there unless it's something that they immediately need. And then how do they find it? So, And just out of curiosity, what <clears throat> since the Accessible Canada Act came into play, um, have you it, has that really had an impact on you guys? So I, I'm not sure. I'd like to think that what it has done is is waken a few people in, in from an employer standpoint to right. go. Okay, now now it's not just talk. It's we, we really got to we really need to have these these policies in place that make sure that we're we're giving every opportunity for somebody with a with a with a disability to participate in our environment so that it's right. their environment. Right. Well, I think we're seeing that mentality change, you know, we who are disabled or may have other some impairment are functioning members of society who have something to offer, whether it's dollars to spend on your product or, you know, advice to share. Um, we have something to offer, and I think people are, are waking up to that fact that there's a whole demographic out there that's been ignored for far too long. Oh, completely agree. And diversity is nothing without inclusion, right? You know, we, we can be diverse, but inclusive is is equally as important. So it's um, one, I don't think you can have a conversation about one without having a conversation about the other. And uh, if, if there's any good news out of all that is, is that those conversations are being held in tandem and, and, and hopefully we're, we're starting to see the fruit of that labor. I know, I know before COVID, uh, you know, employment numbers were, were, were getting better for everybody. But one of the slides in my, in my presentation is that if you're somebody with a disability, you're 50% more likely not to have the same employment opportunity. That's crazy. Um, that, that's something we have to change and, and hopefully we're, we're on our way to doing so. Well, listen, Nate, thanks so much for taking some time out uh, and talking with us. We're happy to help get the word out uh, about you guys. And hopefully, you know, some of our listeners will, uh, will head on over. Well, we certainly appreciate the opportunity. Uh, as, a, as a nonprofit and registered charity that's been in Canada for 36 years, we're, we're doing everything we can to, to make our country inclusive. Uh, we, we believe in people with disabilities. We've seen, you know, we're run by people with disabilities. Our executive director, Dr. Birch, was in a car accident when he was a young man. He's a quadriplegic. Our second in command, Greg Pick, is a paraplegic from a car accident as a young man. Um, the guy that runs our clone office, Derek, is blind. Uh, all the kids are in the pool at the Neil Squire Society, and we believe in uh, diversity and inclusion, and we appreciate you guys uh, give us, giving us an opportunity to, to participate and should anybody have any questions, uh, I'm sure there'll be some contact information. As I mentioned, that the webinars are the, are the way that we've provided education to employers and people with disabilities alike for us. It doesn't matter where the message comes from the top down or the bottom up or from the side door or whatever it is. Uh, we, just, we just don't want to see anybody get left behind. Thanks, gentlemen. Right. Really appreciate the opportunity today. All right. Thanks, Nate. Yeah, thanks for coming on board, Nate. Yeah, you betcha. Good to see you guys. Okay. Take care. So, yay, yay for Dillon Square. Yeah. Yes. The good work they're doing. I'm going to have to go online and apply for a Braille display or something. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need a Braille display. Uh, well, when ours are out alone, it sure be really nice to have something here to uh, I see. produce people's issues. No, I think having the, having the Braille me and the Q Braille is, is, is what I needed. And I don't think there's anything else I need right now.
Okay. You know what? You know what you do need. I need someone to deliver me lunch. <laughs> that actually that too. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting hungry too. Okay, well then I think what you need, you need to tell me. Hey Ryan, Rob, where can people find us? They can find us online at www.atbanter.com. They can also drop us an email if they so desire at cowbell. Oh shit. I knew I forgot something. Cowbell. Ah. Hang on. <laughs> you know, I was all for the podcast. I had Reaper open. I had Zoom open. Nate was here. Mike's <laughs> in. And, of course, forgot the drumstick. I'm sure this happened uh, to the guys in Blue Oyster Cult, too. They did that. <laughs> They're just like, damn it, where's the cowbell? That's right. One, the two. dude forgot his sticks. All right. Okay. Let's okay. See. All right. Hey, Ryan. Rob. Hey, where can people find us? They can find us online at www.atbanter.com. They can also drop us a line at cowbell at atbanter.com. Uh, see, I was making you work for that one. Hey, you know where else they can find us? They where? can find us on the Facebooks, the Twitters, and the Instagrams. That's true. They can. Okay, well, that is going to about do it for us this week. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening in. Big thanks to Nate for joining us, and we will see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com.